Oh, you're putting this you're putting this podcast up tomorrow, eh? Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's it currently March thirty first, twenty twenty. Yeah, we kept on trying to schedule record dates and I don't know why I kept on getting pushed and then the last one got pushed twice back to back really quickly and then here we are the last day we could possibly record <laughs> so for a book that most of us read before like the two. month ago that we're <laughs> gonna record for Hey everybody, welcome back to Expanding Horizons. This is episode 5 for April of 2020. Um, this month we read Legionnaire by Jason Ansbach and Nick Cole. With me today I have a couple of good friends here, um, starting with around the room with Abe. That's Major Abe. Major Abe, <laughs> gotcha. And we also have a new newcomer on the podcast here. We have Frank. That's Sergeant Frank. Sergeant Frank. All right. All right. Um, we also have Gail with us today. Yeah, I'm not sure if I want to be, you know, a captain or the young sh- soldier there. So, you know, you can just call me Gail, though. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and uh, Caleb we have as well. Mm-hmm, that's Corporal Caleb. Corporal Caleb. That, uh, that's the alliteration there. Alliteration. Well played. There well played. And of course, my name is Alex. I don't know what rank I would be, I guess. Admiral Alex. Yeah. President Admiral. of the United States, Alex. Wow. <laughs> Commodore. Yep. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> so we read Legionnaire, which is the first in a, a longer series, um, the Galaxy's Edge series. Uh, two authors on this one, Jason Unspatch and Nick Cole. Um, just going off their Goodreads profiles, Jason Ensbach is an author of a 1950s comedy Till Death, and um, he also is the author of the military science fiction space opera series Galaxy's Edge. What do you know? <laughs> That's pretty much like all he's written from what it looks like is just that comedy and then like all these Galaxy's Edge books. Um, he lives in Tacoma, Washington with his wife and their seven children. Jeez. <laughs> That's actually more than me. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's why he's written so many, so few books. Um, and then his co-author here, Nick Cole. This description's so strange. Nick Cole is a working actor living in Southern California. When he's not auditioning for commercials or going out for sitcoms or being shot, kicked, stabbed, or beaten by the students of various film schools and for their projects, he can often be found as a guard for King Philip II of Spain in the Opera Don Carlo in Los Angeles Opera. Or some similar role. Um, Nicole has been writing for most of his life and acting in Hollywood after serving uh, in the U.S. Army. So probably a, a lot of, of the there. military stuff c- comes from his side, I'm guessing, since he served in the Army. Yeah, that was fairly obvious that uh, whoever did a lion's share of the writing on this was very well versed in what it's like to be on the ground. Somebody want to go over like a quick summary of the plot line real quick. A whole group of uh, special forces in a military that is equivalent to sort of the United Nations of the modern world in a intergalactic scale uh, get caught in a terrorist attack and have to survive 
I think that that kind of sums it up. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and that is pretty much the whole story um, for this first book. I think something unique about this is they kind of package the first and second book together from what I was seeing when I was uh, looking on Amazon and stuff like that. seems like the first and second book are always sold in like one volume. That's at least how the yeah. audiobook came. Hmm. So we didn't read the second half, I guess, which would probably introduce some more clarifications. Um, but we'll go with what we have. So yeah, we can kind of go around the room, give initial impressions. What do you guys think of the story? And this is actually one of our uh, free-for-all books that we chose for this month. So um, this wasn't like a voted on book. It was just like a random draw from somebody that submitted it. And this happened to be Frank's draw. So we kind of know what Frank thinks about the book. I think he's very into it. Uh. <laughs> Frank, what did you say you're wearing right now? Uh, a shirt. <laughs> a shirt. And now we're, and now we're getting all. Boy, with it, he's he has like two items of clothing on that are related to this book, to the series, to okay. the series, I guess. <laughs> so I have a he, problem. <laughs> he's a, a big fan of it. Um, let's go. Let's go like reverse order. Caleb, what do you? What do you, was your initial impressions on this? Uh, it's a pretty enjoyable read. Just like a, almost like a action flick. In a book, right? Pretty easy to read. Lots of interesting things happening, pretty much constantly. And it's uh, it's very militaristic. It's not a bad or a good thing, really, for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, Gail, did you have some differing opinion? I think you had some differing opinions. From what um, I've heard. Well, I mean, the book to me. It it had all military aspect, which I would have enjoyed probably expanding a little bit on the characters because there were so many different characters, and I enjoyed all the introduction to the characters. And I suppose if we read more of the books, um, they may you know go more in depth. But um, yeah, it was it it seemed I don't know kind of um. To focus on one thing only when I wanted it to kind of expand, I guess. Right. And I guess that, yeah, that would probably be what you get from, what is it, like a nine book series or something? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's I think pretty... they're up to about that. I mean, they're probably up to like 15 or 16 if you include all the spinoffs. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, Frank, did you have anything specific to, to add? I mean, yeah. I, I I like the book. I think the main the main thing that I like about it is I like that the way these guys write. Um, it's very much the way how I read it is also how I visualize things in describing things through metaphor. I could pull a couple examples, but that's and I also just love military sci-fi. So sure, yeah. Um. Yeah, I'd say I had similar thoughts to to Caleb's. It was is a pretty um eventful, exciting read. Um 
kind of kept its its pace up somewhat. And I I listened to the audiobook, so I actually got like some things from that. I think you wouldn't get from from reading it with the person. Uh, the person that narrated it did a very good job. Yeah, he. It doesn't sound like he's trying to like over act like different voices and stuff like that. It just kind of seems natural the different voices he gives people and um I don't know, just like little things that he does with his voice <laughs> seem to to add to it. Everybody kind of sounds like this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you listen to the audiobook as well? Yeah. Yeah. So what do you what do you think, Abe? Um I had a I had I I think I have like a a, a like hate with this book because <laughs> um it is like really enjoyable um they did a great job creating a fast-paced book it's really quick to read through um it's easy to read language is great um but there were just so many points where I felt like it was just falling just a little bit short of being really good and it was frustrating me mm-hmm. um and um yeah so th- little things like that would throw me out um but then i get back in i like overall i enjoyed my time listening to the story um mm-hmm. but there were just these pieces here and there where i'm like oh why didn't why didn't you just dig just a tiny bit deep like you totally could have just dug just a tiny bit deeper and gotten to something really good um in a lot of spots right yeah i think i think the book teases a lot about the characters and the overall universe and everything doesn't really go into a lot of detail, which I think is a little bit of a down downfall. I guess that's what I was trying to say too, because there's so many like awesome potential for characters there that just kind of, they didn't like ape said, you know, dig in a little bit more. Yeah. I think they did a pretty good job of, getting across their general different uh personalities mm-hmm. and you could definitely like come to expect certain reactions from from different people in different situations um yeah since we're talking about characters i guess it's it's time to move on to our character section here a bunch of different spotlight characters in this i think the what's the name of the the main character that you John. like read John. John. Yeah. Sergeant Chun. Colin my favorite. Chun. No, my favorite's Wraith, though. Oh. Wraith is awesome, yes. Yeah. Wraith is awesome. Captain Ford. Yep. They all kind of have, like, designations and then, like, nicknames that they give each other. So, like, Wraith is what everybody refers to him as, but his real name is Captain Ford, I guess. LS twenty seven. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, I mean it's there's a lot of them, but there there's a lot to to like here. So Wraith is like the leader of the other, like one of the other um, what do you call them? Troops, squads, squads. Um, and then Chun is the leader of the one that you kind of like follow the whole time. And Wraith always just seems like such a good leader. He's always on like the right side of what you would expect to be like the good guys. He doesn't take crap from anybody. I uh, he's, he's really freaking fast, apparently. 
Yeah, he, he run like run like Forrest Gump. Um, <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> um, I I probably was reading too much into this book or trying to like pull more out of it than it probably goes back to me like wanting it to just go a little bit push a little bit harder on some things. Um, but there were points where I was wondering slash curious if um if wraith was actually the bad guy oh no they're gonna do like a twist Mm -hmm. um but that was probably just me reading too much into it um because he's so detached at points i think but like that like that's his that's his uh character right Mm -hmm. is he's he's a little bit more detached than everybody else um but I but I carried that through sort of to the end of the book of like well he could, like this could be like the informant you know um, he could sure. be like the inside man. I don't know if I would really like for for me I never really saw him as detached more just calm and realistic. You yeah. know what I mean? Like some of the decisions yeah. some of the decisions that he would make would like you might see as as detached but it's like you know i mean none of us can really as far as i know can really speak to to what it's like to have to make those combat decisions sure of course but but just just being not necessarily detached but just realistic and remaining calm like it's it's sort of unrealistic how calm he can remain in a lot of situations, but that's also what I like about the character. Yeah, so that's I think that's where um a little bit of like Hollywood expectations maybe was creeping into my mind or something. Um cuz I remember I remember thinking while I was reading going through this book um that he's just a hard character to read, to get like a read on what he's thinking or what he's feeling. Um, like I never really got like a good bead on how he felt about certain situations. And, um, I wrote down, you don't know if he's going along with the plan because he feels forced or if something else is going on. Um, just because a lot of times, you know, he's in these situations where he has to make these decisions and he's just very calm about it. And you're like, well, what, how does he feel about it? You know, I, I, I never got that take, um, I really yeah. like that he's written like that because I think you get the same effect of what Chun would be getting when he's talking to him and interacting with him. He That's doesn't fair. really know what's going on in his head either. Well, see, I thought he had to be the character that was level-headed because everybody else is like almost basically freaking out. And then you have, you know, the um, guy, what's his name, Devers, who's just an mm-hmm. idiot. I mean, he just, I knew... He was bad news from the beginning, but, and, and I have just a whole bunch of like, you were talking about Abe, who was the bad, you know, maybe the spy, the bad link, whatever. How does this Ann Devers girl have an override code? I mean, to me, it's like everybody is on the same page, just about freaking out. And she is the one who has like basically the keys to the castle. And I just, is she the spy? You know, that's what I was thinking, you know, so I, I have no idea. Yeah. Thinking about it, they, they never really wrap up. They never really close the arc on the character of Van Dean. 
Well, see, and that's what I'm saying. Like, I mean, in the book, did Rook die? You know, um, what happened to 20s? You know, it's like, you know, and then, of course, I I want to know if Pulley did, you know, pull through, so to speak, and document all the information. So, because he was kind of cool mm-hmm. being the robot, you know, the android, whatever. I, I, I did enjoy the way that they sort of hinted at the at the fact of not necessarily self-awareness in the in the ai but sort of the voice in the back of police head that would kind of talk back to him as to why he was doing what he was doing see and i didn't think he was self-aware i thought he just didn't understand the humans at all and he just basically reported everything and he was kind of insensitive because he didn't understand them he just reported the facts Right, just reported the story, but it was he's a he's a robot, right? Mm-hmm. So. I, uh, just have I probably that kind have of cold demeanor. I probably yeah. have an unpopular opinion that I like fully as a character, but oh, I, I hate do. that he's in this story. <laughs> <laughs> Not why? <laughs> it's the worst. Like, <laughs> I don't know. It they have this just bizarre cut to a whole chapter with him from his viewpoint. Right. And it spoils the whole um, base being destroyed moment. Yeah. Like, it's just a spoiler. It's a spoiler. Like, I don't understand why it's, it doesn't belong there. It doesn't, it shouldn't exist. Hmm. That was one of those points where, where I was like, come on. Yeah. yeah I guess it's I mean... definitely less poignant. From his because you know what's then... going to happen when they get there, right? If, right. If, like, if you, know you think coming. maybe there's hope, and then you know you could have so still sowing those seeds of doubt of like, hey, nobody's heard from the base except for Devers, and you don't trust Devers because oh, no. he's Devers. Um, mm-hmm. So you're still thinking in the back of your mind, oh, it's probably like something's going on there. Um, but then you cut to this scene, you're like, oh, it's destroyed before you necessarily need to know that information. I don't know. It's it didn't right. feel right to me. Yeah, they yeah, did need to is... introduce his character though. Somehow. I mean, they could have just kind of shoved that until like right after all the Legions get there, right? That would have been, wouldn't have yeah. been too much different. I guess, yeah. It would have been a flashback then. Yeah. And I mean, they they kind of also get across the point of him. They also discuss that he can't get any of his, his signals out. Right. And that he's just been documenting all, uh, everything around the base. So which is what he was doing in his entire chapter, his solo chapter. I suppose you could have had the, them get there. You get the shock of the base being destroyed. Then you roll into the chapter with him documenting everything with right. the end of that chapter being them arriving. Yeah, exactly what I was thinking. So it kind of flows together. It's, anybody... it's still a little bit of a step back, but... Yeah, and, and you know, I go, I go back to two, and I know this is probably off the flow of things but why were they even there on that planet in the first place i mean i know i know the the coob you know are don't be racist let's be pc it's no no no, (laughs) yeah i don't even know why we were there were we trying to forge some sort of peace treaty i guess and you know kragak or whatever his name is we knew he was bad news and of course because devers trusted him and you know Devers is an idiot, so it's like, 
I I just don't even know why we needed that planet. Like, why? Well, not we, but the Legionnaire. Mm -hmm. So if I remember right, the it was the Galactic Republic that wanted Kublar to become a member of like the the Senate. So right. I remember because that. because the planet was right next to like a hyperspace highway yeah. and had an insane amount of resources that that they could use. For some reason I thought we could get around that or the legionnaire could get around that. I I just I I don't know. Maybe I'm remembering it wrong. They're trying to do the, the diplomatic thing and bring them in. Yeah, yeah it was but... a di diplomatic mission to to gain the support of the tri of like local tribal leaders mm -hmm. for the senator that they wanted to be elected on the right. planet so that they could bring the planet into the republic so that they could basically exploit it for oil all of its stuff oil which, essentially which oil. They, they basically blew him out of the water because they destroyed that whole village mm -hmm. Well, that was that was like civil war stuff, right? Mixed but with I think, wanting to get rid of the. Well, I think the guy who was in the village was the good guy. That that whole area down there, that Kragak, whatever, the leader of the other yeah. tribe was the bad one. You're right. Because he pointed a finger at the other tribe. Mm-hmm. And just off the subject, how many people liked Masters? I really I like, liked him. Yeah, I like Masters. Masters was the rookie. Yeah. The like, what are they called? A Republic soldier or whatever. That's no, no, that's Kags. No, he he was a young soldier. That's why I didn't know if I I wanted because he was brand new. He was just he was a rookie. Yeah, yeah he right. wasn't even in in the legions, right? He's yeah, in the other... he wasn't. No, he wasn't no. Rook, yeah, no, no, no. Masters, Masters was young, but he mm -hmm. is a legionnaire. Kags, oh, okay. Kags, Kags is the basic. Okay, Kags was the yeah. basic. Sorry, and that's but, why, in the beginning, I wasn't sure if I wanted to be the captain or if I wanted to be the young soldier, because those are my two favorites. <laughs> <laughs> I think my favorite was 20s. I yeah. just got really uh, into... I, 20s I do cool. love 20s. Yeah. Overwatch. Yeah, I got really into his sniping scenes. Yeah. Yep, just... I, I like how they how they sort of describe how how his rifle works how it's just like a giant computer that can shoot insanely <laughs> far away <laughs> like yeah let's see and i guess the reason why i liked masters so much is because he started out as just kind of like this young kind of soldier that was like rah let's go you know and really had no idea of what was going to happen and was just hey i want to be a legionnaire and and then it's like he saw all this death and it's like all of a sudden he realized what's going on and his character i feel grew from that and he became more oh, responsible you're thinking of kags Are you I sure think. it's not masters because i'm telling you Ma masters is the one that bought chun the tomahawk yeah that's right really mm -hmm. and he's also the one that accidentally shoots okay. a civilian right? yeah he was the mm. one that accidentally shot that that woman okay That's bad. How did it, did anyone like Pappy? 
feel like he wasn't in it at all. Pappy wasn't yeah, really wasn't... in the story. He was at the end, and that part, I thought, was strange because it's like everything ended like, boom, done, and then you're in a bar. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, the it, epilogue where they talk about Pappy yeah. a whole bunch. Mm-hmm. But his story is as good as he's telling it and everything. It is engaging. Yeah. Yeah, but you don't, you don't think you see too much of his character. Because he's only in it a little bit. I mean, he's yeah. out of commission from the first chapter to, like, mm-hmm. most of the way through the book. What you get is his, um, his character through the eyes of everybody else. Right. Person- they don't even tell you if they die or not, like, but I suppose they are dead because they're not around. <laughs> Personally, for me, uh, on, on, on that note, Gail, I, I will say that if you read, like, the first two chapters of the next book, you mm-hmm. can find out who lives and dies. Oh, cool. Because <laughs> I had more questions about that. I'm like, what? I'm not going to find out if, you know... Blah blah blahs around, or is that really in the first two chapters? I did not get that out of the first two chapters of the book. I couldn't understand what was going on in that second book, and I put it down, and I haven't picked it up. Oh, I might be thinking of the third book. It was bizarre <laughs> to me. The second one is such a shift that I like. I didn't want to read it. Does it feel like it's written primarily by the other author? Ba- yeah, Maybe. basically, because it's like not military stuff at all. Hmm. I guess I don't know. I was confused when that book started. I was like, this does not, this is not my experience from the first book. Anyways. Yeah, yeah, no. Sidetrack. Yeah, side, it's a sidetrack. But um, personally for me, a character who is might be considered one of the major ones that I've never really been a fan of was Exo. Mm. I like Exo. I, I, I like he's he's hot headed and you know he can he's a good legionnaire and he and he gets and he gets stuff done but like it something something about him was just too he he was missing something he's got that i just kind of want to kill things vibe yeah and that's but that's I feel pretty. Like that's that's most pretty of his character. That's pretty much his character. Is he's yeah. just like I just want to blow stuff up. <laughs> um. Yeah. He he strikes me as like the character in the like the aliens movie that would get taken out like first or second, <laughs> like that thinks he's all gung ho. And he's very. He, murders he's a very bunch much of stuff a, and dies like in an accident or something. He's very much a Hudson from Aliens. Except he's the one in the bar at the end, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's like most of the main characters. Did we mention um, I mean, the doctor that was with them uh, at the end of the a- book? Andine Broxon? Was I don't that... even remember his name. <laughs> no, it was, a, it was the girl that like reconfigured the oh, antenna. Yeah. The one that's that got some shady message. stuff going on. Yeah, Andine She's the one that had the codes to get in. Mm-hmm. Which I don't understand. She comes in kind of late in the book, but is mm-hmm. very important as a plot point to try to save their lives. Yeah, mm-hmm. does uh does she come up a lot in the later books, Frank? Does it kind of explain all that? 
some point? Uh, yeah. Okay. Just curious if that was a try to figure it out for yourself, or if it comes up some later. Yeah, so it, it does. It does come up later, but it opens a deeper mystery. Yeah, thought it might. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was pretty interested where that whole thing would go. Her being dropped off by some huge ship and all that. And I guess it didn't touch on it like at all, really. She just had the codes, and then that was kind of the end of it, I guess. Yeah, it was. It was very much like a. I feel that Legionnaire may have been I think it's a a good way to sort of pull you into these authors if you like the way that they write but since it's such an isolated story like literally isolated like they have no contact with anyone mm-hmm. and they're just focusing on living so they don't have time for exposition like you, you don't get a lot of character development and it's all it's the the way that I see it is that they started the series with the middle book. It's a pretty short book, right? It is. Yeah. Well, I have a question, and, and you know how they went to the other um, area where they blew everybody up. They found humans there. Did this, does it get explained why there were humans on the planet to begin with? Because they weren't expecting to find humans there, correct? Right, yeah, because it's the whole midcore rebel yeah, thing. Yeah, the midcore rebellion. It's it's essentially uh, people who want independence, like the the Confederate nation in the Civil War. And mm-hmm. it, it it kept confusing me because they referred to him as MCR, which in the Expanse series is the Mars <laughs> Congressional Republic. Oh yeah, and that's what I kept associating that with. And I was like, Mars is here, and I was like, No, this is not Mars. <laughs> that's, that's so funny. Yeah, yeah. They 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 do go further into the MCR. However, in the rest of the books, they treat the MCR as a joke. Mm. Oh. They seem pretty serious here. Yeah. Yeah. And did well, we... well, this is really like this was their first sort of like I don't know introduction to the to the galaxy of like, hey, we actually mean something. And when it comes to like Devers, do do we ever really find out if he was a captain or a major? Like, what do you think? I know. <laughs> I, I, mean, think I feel like was, we more or less know, but he was not. But <laughs> he was definitely. Sadly, I think Happy for sure died. So yeah. The, the I think thing we're about out of luck learning whether or not. Yeah, that he true. definitely ended up as a major. the The thing about Devers is, um, he was one of my favorite characters in the book. As like in this, not because like. I like him as a character, but because I like to not like him as a character. Does that, mm-hmm. that make yeah. sense? Oh, he, mm-hmm. he is very easy to hate. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. um, so, so for that reason, like that, that was one of my, the, one of the characters that stood out more to me. Um, but I just, it, another, another one of these points where I felt like um, they just pulled the trigger too soon was the, the catharsis of him just getting the snot beat out of him happened too soon. Mm-hmm. Like, like he should have been insidious like up until pappy woke up and then and then it would have been like uh oh you know what i mean like that would have been a good spot for him to i feel it would have been a little bit more uh interesting 
they could have mm-hmm. done some more stuff with Devers if they didn't take him out of the story right away. But yeah, I I think it would have like story wise, I absolutely agree with you. But I think I think these guys have like on Spock and Cole might have some some disagreement or not necessarily disagreements, but uh, sort of Nick Cole wants to maintain that that legionnaire attitude that no matter what they are always like ktf right there ready to go and so if you're in the middle of a firefight and pappy wakes up and then exo just decides to go nuts on him in the middle of a fight that might sort of tarnish that that uh whole sort of mythical legion aspect because because they they really talk the legionnaires up in this book yeah yeah and i think on the whole they kind of like they 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 follow through with trying to back it up and i think that if they had done that i think it would have been more interesting but it would have tarnished the sort of reputation of the legion yeah that's fair i i I agree that it like it, it probably shouldn't have happened like during a fight, but I don't know. I just there's things like that that came up when I was reading the story where it just frustrated me that um they they pulled the ripcord before I wanted them to. Um like I wanted them to milk it a little bit more. Hmm. But And I think they just wanted to get to the next action part. That's yeah. probably true. Yeah. They're, they were like, I feel much more comfortable writing need, this. Yeah, we need another uh, set piece. Speaking of set pieces, setting. Uh, I think they did a pretty good job for as uh, world building, setting, like down to like little things like how much they explain their helmets. Um, Tongue toggles. Yeah, tongue toggles <laughs> inside tongue the helmets. Toggles. I thought that was so crazy. <laughs> yeah, and this is where it, we talked about, um, or we joked about this being hard sci-fi. Um, but this is where, like, it firmly sets it into military sci-fi. Is that the the military setting is so rich, like so fleshed out. Like in hard sci-fi, you don't necessarily have somebody going into a lot of detail about their armor and how their gun works and stuff. Um, but that's like that's like sort of a hallmark of of your military sci-fi is your your uh um, all your equipment yeah all your gear your tech yeah like going down to the to the point of explaining how their grenades work right mm-hmm. they brought up the helmets a lot though yeah like helmets are very important <laughs> i call them buckets for one um I they, think they got all I, sorts of crazy tech in them. Like they they can reduce sound output so that they don't go deaf when the explosion happens. They block out like smell of the smell of the battle. There's an annoying AI that keeps popping up information. That you don't yeah, <laughs> but it's only for NCOs and and officers. It's like Clippy in Microsoft Word, but inside your helmet when you're in a fight. Yeah, and he's just like, <laughs> "Yo, dog, slow your heart rate." You're like, "I'm in the middle of a firefight, please." <laughs> I think the the war the world building is like for me how like they go into such detail explaining all this technology 
and to then summarize it by, oh, Legionnaires just call them buckets. It's literally just a bucket you put on your head and then you right. go fight. Like that's very much like it's a soldier thing. Right. You definitely get their perspective on what these are. Despite all the crazy tech in them, they're just like, yeah, it's whatever. Yeah, because didn't he say it's like the most important piece of equipment and the most expensive and they call it a bucket? Mm-hmm. Yep, and they're all custom fitted to be like perfectly around your head. It's like one of the things that sets apart the Legionnaires from the basics, right? Mm-hmm. That and just like the and the armor overall. And the comms channel. <laughs> comms yeah, channel is very important. They love that LCOM. The um that was one thing that kept coming up in this book was um don't let anybody else touch our technology. Yeah. Which was interesting. And they gave the headset to the uh Kublaran guy, Earth which endeavors. was like which was like um sacrilege big no no well yeah i mean like you you might qualify that as like a top secret piece of equipment because since it hasn't been the the lcom hasn't been broken you would not want it to be broken and somebody getting their hands on it eventually somebody would break it so they 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 treat it as yeah as I think they rely on it uh, too heavily, which is why I really liked the part where they said, yep, no, we're not going to use that. We're just going to do the daisy chain message thing where I think it was near the end of the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where it it was much more, it, it showed that the, that the Legionnaires didn't have to necessarily just rely on their technology. Right. I think they they do they do tease the the outside world like outside of Kublar and and everything like that but I don't think they go into enough detail to to really pull you into that into that world. Yeah, that's parts I was definitely more interested in than they felt like sharing about such as just I mean the outside world in general. Oh, like what? I was always more interested in like what the what the empire essentially is called, but what they've got going on as a whole, and how big this universe is, and how many different rebellions are happening and stuff like that. Kind of more interested in that than what it'd they been cool to, about it. It'd been cool to see like inside one of the capital ships and yeah, explore that area some because they're like massive and. Yeah, but, they. Know. I think the way he did, uh, he described it in the book was it looks like, like when a ship's in orbit, it looks like how the moon looks during the day. Like yeah. you can you can see it from, like just from the ground, you can see it with your naked eye, and they had and they always say, oh, if we had the chiasm then we could do this. We could blow all these guys up or we could get yeah. a medevac for all these guys or we could just, they have all these options and it's and it's all taken away. It's all teased. Yeah. I think um, Kublar itself is probably a little bit uh, underdeveloped. I don't know. Like it seemed pretty bland. Like you got your cliff sides and your, your rocky plains and 
That, that's pretty much it. You you nailed it. There was a forest yeah. at one yeah. point. Oh, was there's, there was? There was. Yes, there was a forest that twenty they set was up, running. They set through. up mines yeah. in the forest. And... That that was that was one of the parts that that sort of took me out of reality was when Wraith somehow just told everyone to duck and a truck just magically <laughs> floated over them. It's another without... Hollywood moment, right? Yeah, they, uh -huh. they, it was. Yeah, that was a Mission Impossible one. Yeah, they talk about Kublar having all those resources, but they never like, never really use it in the story at all. It's just a world that they're on. It doesn't really mean a whole lot. There's not a ton unique about the alien landscape, right? Right. It seems like it could take place on Earth. Right. Exactly. I I I feel like the the Kublarans are a little underdeveloped as well. Like like they they mentioned the savage wars and how they fought in that and that they're a very like uh, aggressive race, but I, I think I'll 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 save my thoughts on that for when we talk about the <laughs> quote unquote theme. Sure, I think the the Kubarans they they didn't go into a ton of detail on them, but I liked what they did say about them, like they're. They're like uh, purple, like sacks that inflate when they get angry and stuff like that. Like frog men. Yeah, pretty much. I did. I did have trouble imagining what they looked like. Cause, cause, cause there's there's a a point where they mention. Because do you guys remember when they spent uh, like three trapped chapters trying to blow up a tank? Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. And then they and then they find like a Kimbrin inside it because they're like, yeah, oh yes, right. he has spikes all over his shoulder, and they described it, and I could I could picture it perfectly. Right. But for, but for some reason, I don't know I don't know why I just can't imagine what a, a like a Kublarin looks like. All I can really see is their face and whatever that sack is. Yeah, yeah, I can, I can, I can very easily imagine the 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 sack, but that came out wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, Gail, did you have any specific thoughts about any of the setting, any of the technology, any anything like that, world building? I thought it was. I could picture Kublarians myself. I thought of them as more so like purple frogmen. You know? um, yeah. Yep. So, and I thought it was. I thought it was very. It was very detailed. Um, the setting, equipment, you know, stuff like that. Figured out what it is that I'm looking for which Frank asked about earlier, and it's anything outside of the action that happens, because you get almost no information of anything outside of what the lieges are doing on that planet exactly. Mm -hmm. Like, no history of anything, really. I guess right. you get a tiny bit about the Kublarans and how they've been in, like, the Savage Wars and whatnot. Yeah, I mean, but Frank that's really did, it. did say earlier, like, it's a very isolated story. Yeah. 
Yeah, I would say the first time that I read it, the thing that interest me interested me most in the world building was just the Savage Wars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's something it, I'd love more info on. Well, you're in luck. They have an entire series on it. But <laughs> <laughs> are are most of the, the most of the books take place after this one or before it? Uh, before and after. There's both. Okay, both. I'm guessing Pappy's in a bunch of them from before. Not really. Oh, really? No. He shows up from time to time, but not like a main character or anything. No, he's he's just always in the background. Man, I wouldn't be surprised if Pappy lived in this book, just because they they say pretty early they're like Pappy don't die. That's like the catchphrase. Yeah, but I feel like in the epilogue you learn kind of why Pappy don't die. So at that point it's like, yeah, he can probably die now. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Yeah, that and the and the and the world building of uh, General Rex. That was another character in the epilogue that they teased. Where I'm like, oh, that guy sounds pretty cool. Who was he again? He was the guy in the epilogue who. Was uh, he the old guy. No, no, he wasn't the old guy at the bar. But oh. he he was just the general who had like a really old suit of legionnaire okay. armor. Yeah, that they had a like tons of crazy stuff that none of the other ones had. Right. So gotcha. I'm like, oh, what's going on with this guy? Hmm. There's an entire series on him, which is very good. They got like a thousand books in this universe. <laughs> there are a lot of books in this series. And you go direct to Kindle. It's easy. All right, yeah, so uh, moving on here, we can talk some specifics about plot points. I know we've mentioned some things here and there just in our discussion of characters and setting and stuff like that, but do we have anything that we want to call out specifically about the general plot line that we haven't mentioned already? There's only one. I don't want to be racist against Koobs, <laughs> but I kept getting <laughs> confused between the guy we think, the guy that turns out being the bad Koob and the one who we never meet and dies. Their names. I kept getting confused. I was oh, so Gregorak and Kregak. Yes. Gregorak and Kregak. They're so yeah. similar. I just kept getting confused. Yeah. Well, that's the reason why I said Kregak, I think, is the bad one. And so mm-hmm. the good one was the one that was they Greg were trying. Yeah. yeah, that they were trying to make the treaty with. <laughs> yeah. Like, I would see one name and I'd be like, man, I don't, I don't remember which one this is. Usually context clues were enough, but not always. I I will say, even though most like you you know that the chiasm is is destroyed before everyone else realizes it. Mm-hmm. You know that Camp Forge is destroyed before everyone else realizes it. But the the part the the two parts that I liked in the plot was that oh Pappy actually is still alive. Um, he was engulfed, exploded in his what? What do they call them? Sleds. And um, that Devers lived by pushing everyone out of the way so he could get out. Like I think that was what put the nail in the coffin for me. Just like, oh, that guy sucks. Yeah. Like, did did you? So thinking back to when he sees one legionnaire get out of the sled 
Mm-hmm. Did you immediately know that was Devers? No, I think because I, was, I did. I was. <laughs> I, 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 I didn't. I was like, "This is Devers, and if it's yep. not Devers, these guys are idiots. Like these writers are are stupid." Like right. that's, that was my thought. I was like, "If this isn't Devers, they're they're garbage writers, and I don't want to read this story." <laughs> that was a really good point in their favor. I think. Now, I knew it was Devers too because I agree with you know what you said. If it wasn't, then you know what are we reading it for? <laughs> I, I think another uh, part that sort of solidified all th- all three of the of the real main players in the story, Chun, Wraith, or Captain Ford, and Devers, is the part where Devers keeps telling Chun to keep his helmet on, even though it's totally broken. And he's explaining like you have to be you have to be the hurricane. And then Wraith just takes out a knife and just cuts it. And he's like, yeah, this, this helmet's in, inoperable. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that was, I feel like a rare moment where you see Wraith doing something that's very unexpected of a superior officer, maybe. Just on the edge of seeming like he's about to lose his cool a little bit. Yeah, exactly. But, but he's, just, he's just like nonchalantly like, this helmet's inoperable. After sawing it in half. <laughs> but Frank, when you said the kiosk got destroyed and nobody knew, didn't Chun see it blowing up in the sky and try and tell everybody? No, he didn't try and and tell anybody. He told, like specifically kept it a secret. Yeah, he kept yeah. it a secret, and he and he told Devers, and then Devers. I thought he told Wraith. He did he tell Wraith, yeah. and then Wraith said, "Yeah, no, keep that under wraps." Yeah. Okay. And then he That's told Devers, but Devers was like, no, that didn't happen. I just talked with them. They just called me. <laughs> they just called me and told me I'm I'm ranked yeah. up and I'm in charge. Yeah, yeah. I guess. I think I, yeah, man. Very <laughs> hateable. It's very good. <laughs> very good. Like, yeah. Yeah. No, like, very, very good. Very good. Hateable. <laughs> all, all of the, because points, the, the appointed officers in the Legionnaire Corps are, show up in all the books and all of them are hateable, but none yeah. of them are as good as Devers. Mm. I can see that. Do they make it at least one time where the point is like actually a good commander? Yeah, there's actually a book that is essentially uh, like where because because this this book is very much akin to like the war in Afghanistan. I feel. Like I, I feel like that's where Nick Cole's pulling a lot. Like the, the Kublarans and the MCR are like very much like Al Qaeda or the Taliban, and Legionnaires are Marines out in the desert, just like right trying to get stuff done. And um, but there is there is a book that's the equivalent of v- the Vietnam War, hmm. where they talk about how the the very first appointees and it and it focuses the book focuses on a uh appointed officer who actually like passes past the training and is and is a good like officer that one's good yeah i feel like they gotta do that once so that idea kind of leads us into our discussion on theme uh so you kind of think they're trying to relate it to 
some political ties in the real world? I think so. I think I think for me the the thing that really hit hit home was the the theme of oh yeah we're gonna cycle out all the all your legionnaire armor for these new shiny pieces of armor that'll make no one want to even fight you but it's 10 times cheaper like you you see you see that everywhere even even in just like consumer technology of like just make it cheaper and it's more disposable and like nothing's made with pride and meant to last yeah even to fit that in with current conditions i think they're seeing that a lot in hospitals right now because they're they were always cutting down to like you know run as as efficiently as possible and now that they're like overflowing it's kind of a real issue right where the where there is no major conflict like the savage wars and the legionnaires who were like the most elite fighting force have basically become galactic police officers mm-hmm. much akin to what america's military has become has been sort of quote-unquote peacekeepers um it's it's difficult it's i see i see the relation and i and it's i wish that it wasn't the case and this this book actually made me think more about that it's a minor detail that they bring up in the book but to me i kind of i kind of latched onto it Interesting. Um, Caleb, did you have a theme in mind when you were reading this? Not particularly. It was such a fun read. I never never read super far into it, I feel like. Yeah. It just kind of kept running at a rapid pace, so I didn't kind of read into it, I guess. Yeah. Well, I've I've read it like five times, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Start picking up on little things. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, how about you, Gail? Did you did anything speak to you? Anything that the book was trying to say? No, I just thought it was just fast-paced, and the only thing that I caught really was like all the detail on like people repeatedly said the armor and you know um, the surroundingness. I um, didn't pick that much up on any um, depth in the characters, though. Mm-hmm. Do you guys do you guys want to there is a big theme in the book and I want to see what you guys think about it and it's the theme of KTF. <laughs> KTF, yeah. Well, of course, I said that in the beginning. <laughs> yeah, so just to be clear, they they say KTF a bunch of times in the book and it's revealed pretty late that it means kill them first. It's it's like the legionnaire motto. Or not really like a motto, but just i don't know it's it's sort of like hua to the yeah. to the like our modern military maybe a little a little more a little bit more um visceral maybe yeah is the right word i'm not sure what the right word is there i think it, it like i can see where the legionnaires are coming from where it's like oh as soon as you think there's a problem just take care of it immediately don't go through all the channels just do it but at the same time 
it's like Pappy's sled was blown up by a whole bunch of kids. Right. And it's, it's like, in a way it makes like a legionnaire to legionnaire KTF is, is like good. You're the good guy, but to like everyone else in the galaxy, I would be terrified of the legion. Uh, I think that even comes up once in the book because masters shoots a civilian and you see where KTF is a very scary idea. Yeah, and and it's 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 difficult to like justify in in today's world, but at the same time I can see like the only way that the legionnaires can be as elite as they are is to just act immediately. Yeah. Uh, Abe, did you have any other ideas about the theme? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I I feel like I have a lot of thoughts that swirl around, and I feel like there's a lot of I don't I don't necessarily want to say problematic stuff in this book, but maybe that's the best way to say it. Um, in terms of like this colonialistic idea of taking over this planet, and like why are they there? They shouldn't be there. You know what I mean? Like. This mm-hmm. is this is an indigenous people that they're coming in and ousting, like you know, all of these problematic things that that we've seen in history, um, mm-hmm. which is not necessarily a bad thing to write about. I I don't know that it was really um, the right built venue. into, like they they didn't really get into it much. Yeah, I don't think they're really going for because they're not trying to say that's bad. Yeah, they right. didn't really talk about, hey, should we actually be here? Or, you know what I mean? Like, they're just doing their job. They're following orders. That's what they are. Um, right. And I get it. Um, it's just something, you know, that isn't really... I guess I guess Andine talks about it a little bit, doesn't she? Um, she's sort of like the anti-colonialism character, maybe. It's um, almost the conscience of the book for a second there. Yeah, for, for, for a hot minute. <laughs> um, but, yeah, the the... the I was trying to trying to quantify how I felt about this whole like KTF thing and and it's every like everybody's sort of I guess if you stretch it a little bit, like everybody's sort of trying to KTF in their own way, that's what Devers does. Um he's trying to KTF to get up the political chain, so to speak, um by taking command and doing stuff that's going to make him look good later um and being sort of the point man for this whole mission so that when they finish um he gets the medals and and becomes a general or whatever um and you know that's what we end up seeing happening at the end is like he's the one in the award ceremony because of course he is um and and sort of he gets the last word on everything um and and it also comes back to this this other thing that they bring up a bunch is like like who how do i express this it's it's like what is the cost of success and does what we do actually matter to people or like the heroes that actually did the thing that people are excited about are not remembered and the only people that they do remember are the ones that don't deserve the glory or honor or whatever. 
And I think that's really driven home at the end when Exo's in the bar sulking over his beers, um, where it's like, hey, I just did this thing, and I'm the one that's washed out now, and that dude's getting a medal. Yeah. And what what was it all for? Yeah, what was the point? Yeah. Um, yeah. I can see that. I I kind of picked up on their kind of struggle between the soldier and like the um like the political figures so like they're kind of like the 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 politics of the situation dictate that they have to go do this thing they don't necessarily feel like they should be doing it but they follow orders and doing it puts them directly in danger. But yeah, doing it puts them in danger. So you have like the struggle between the soldier and the politician, essentially. Um, which I think you can see in the real world pretty easily as well. Um, <clears throat> that's kind of the theme I, I picked up on. But yeah, I mean, a lot of politics, a lot of uh, like social responsibility stuff. Yeah, I think the the parts I like the most is when the humanity comes through in some of the legionnaires in certain parts of the story where it's like, okay, these guys aren't just mindless killing machines. They are also just human. Yeah. Yeah. I think you see that most with masters probably. I think Chun has has a lot of that too, but mostly because you're able to hear his internal monologue. Mm-hmm. But like the the part where instead of just killing, they realize when they totally level that village, and they find out that there's survivors underneath the door, they're like, "Okay, no, we're gonna go totally legion on saving these people and just getting getting them out." Yeah. So I think that. We'll about do it for our discussion. Just um, real quick, we can go around and give some closing thoughts and do our traditional thumbs up, thumbs down recommendation. Yeah, kind of um, a closing question, if you don't mind me sure. going first. Yeah. I'm curious, because this is written by two people, but never really throughout the book do you feel like it almost swaps authors? Yeah, it, doesn't, it doesn't have the expanse feel to right, it. Right, right. So I'm curious from Frank's perspective of reading a whole bunch of the books, if you get that from like book to book, if it feels like one person's writing it Ab- more than the other. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Huh. At least from at least from book two, from what I listened to through book two, it's it sounds like a different person writing. Hmm. Um. So that wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah, once once it it branches off into all these different characters, and also a lot of the characters from this book, um, they they start going outside of the Legion for characters and inside the Legion, and you can tell that Nick Cole is always writing for the Legionnaires mm. characters, and that Jason Onspach is writing for the other ones. There are a few characters and a few chapters and books where you, where you do get the sense that they're that they're writing together. But I, I think later on they start to find a better balance in like not just focusing on the action and and 
digging further into side stories and and delving deeper into characters and and world building i think i think nick cole kind of had the loudest voice in this book and then yeah and in the other ones they're able to find a, a better medium yeah so um closing thoughts let's start with abe uh closing thoughts i enjoyed this this uh, it was a um these are always a little bit surprising and interesting to me when i when i'm either referred to or find a self-pubbed book that's actually decent because i've read a lot that are terrible um so that that was you know i went in with pretty low expectations when i first saw where this book was coming from i was like oh this is a self-pubbed book you know i'm 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 you know going in with my uh fingers crossed here um but pretty quickly that's relieved because they drop you right into the action and you're in it and everything's moving really quick. Um, so, you know, after the first few chapters, I was pretty confident that it was going to be a, a, at least a fun book. You know, it wasn't going to be terrible, which, you know, it was, it was suggested by Frank. So I, I would hope that he wouldn't suggest a terrible book. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I like overall, I give this one a thumbs up. Like I said, there's, there's a lot of stuff that, that, poked at me and um you know scratched little parts of my brain where i wanted more but you know in the end it's it's still it's still a decent read uh first of all abe that's a thumbs up i'm I'm guessing yeah okay frank you want to give your uh closing thoughts and recommendation um so i think that in this has actually really helped because as as far as i've known i've been the only person that i that i know that is that has read this book Mm. so hearing other people's thoughts has been uh has been really like really informative and like made me think about it i think that this 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 book does have some some downsides in lacking in detail but i think for a like first shot collab between two very different authors. Um, Like they, they landed on their feet. And I think with the later books, they pick up speed, but I still, I still always enjoy this, this, this book. It's, it's always like uh, Caleb said, it's, it's an action flick. And so it's always, nice to be able to just pick up and go so and i'm a sucker for military sci-fi so <laughs> i give it a thumbs up <laughs> great uh gail your thoughts and recommendation well um the reason why i really like a book club is i would have never picked this book up in a million years because it's just not my genre and um i really enjoyed it i thought it was very fast paced um i like the characters wish they were a little bit more developed but i think if anybody um likes sci-fi and they like you know militaristic you know type aspect they would thoroughly enjoy it so i give it a thumbs up from the little bit of um pre-podcast discussion that we had i didn't think that you would be recommending it but i guess you're 
Like you were just I was upset frustrated. that you didn't get all your answers given to yes. you at the end of the book. Exactly. <laughs> I liked the book. I but just you still enjoyed it. Okay. Yes. It definitely leaves a lot to guesswork at the end of it. Yes. For sure. And I like everything wrapped up in a nice, neat little bow, and that doesn't happen here because it's a series, and I understand that. But that doesn't mean I wasn't frustrated, but I still <laughs> believe the book is worth reading. <laughs> right, right. Okay, cool. Uh, Caleb, what do you think? Uh, I would definitely best describe this book as a super fun romp. So definitely worth reading. A lot of fun. There's Maybe your pull not. quote for the, for the, for the cover, <laughs> right? Yes. <laughs> super <laughs> yeah, fun right. romp. It's definitely not like the deepest book you'll read, but it's it's a lot of fun. Super fast paced. The characters are as little as they are fleshed out. Maybe they are still interesting. Mm-hmm. Great. Um. Yeah. And then me, I had similar thoughts to all you guys. Fun, fast read. Um, I like most sci-fi stuff to begin with so getting into a book that leans that way is, is a lot of fun um i like all the descriptions of the tech a lot so that really stuck with me uh and yeah they know how to write battle scenes so that's that's a good yep. plus that they do yeah a so, lot of times uh, when reading i feel like it's hard to follow action but i think they did a really good job of describing yep. what happens most definitely. Yeah, on, on that note, I, I meant to I meant to mention that um the first like at the start of the book, I felt like it was a little bit all over the place and I was a little bit confused, but then it started to like I feel like they kind of got better at it after the first couple of chapters. Almost. Yeah, I, I had a very similar uh experience the first time that I that I read it. I was like, I can't keep track of anything yeah. that's going on right now. I think also initially because they drop you in so fast, there's a bunch of phrases that they use that you haven't figured out yet because you haven't had enough context for them. And you kind of get that as the book goes along. Yeah, I That's agree one... with all of you. <laughs> I do. Yes, That's and. one uh, thing we need, to, we need to add a section on writing, probably. Sure, yeah. Yeah, I suppose Language. we should. We can... Uh... Yeah. And some more detail about that in our discussions. Yeah, because because the, the way that that I describe the way that they write action is is through uh, like descriptive metaphor. Yeah, like they they use yeah. a lot they use a lot of metaphors for like instead of just saying oh I he I blew that guy's head off. <laughs> it was, you know they they just use some. Some vivid imagery, like "oh, it's a watermelon exploding" or, or something. You know, I can't, mm-hmm. I can't do it like they can. But and exactly, then the went through his head like a bat through a watermelon. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes, I believe that's um, five thumbs up, which takes our first place for most recommended book. I guess uh, steals steals it away from the beekeeper. <laughs> steals it away promise. from beekeeper's promise. Oh, no. Is there two of you in that, or three? Maybe? Yeah, two. Two, just, a two-person podcast where we both sorry, gave it guys. thumbs up. So that was technically, a fun one. <laughs> technically, our most highly ranked book until now. Um, yeah. So, Legionnaire, that closes the book on that one. Next month. <laughs> <laughs> next <laughs> month. So the book we're reading for next month is Steelheart by Brandon Sanderson. 
Um, this is my pick, actually, so I'm very excited for it. He's a pretty prolific writer. Wrote a bunch of stuff that we've read some of his other stuff um, individually. Mm -hmm. So pretty excited about that one. Um, that will be coming out May 1st. Is that right? That <laughs> um, yeah, sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So look out for Steelheart next month. Uh, once again, my name is Alex. With me, I had Abe, uh, Frank, Good Gail, yeah. and Caleb. Hello. We'll see you guys next time. This episode was edited by me, Alex McCoslin. Other voices include Abe Wolfgang, Caleb Juno, Frank Rice, and Gail McCoslin. Sorry for the double upload, but this means we'll be back on schedule for our May 1st episode next month. If you haven't listened to any of the special edition podcasts that have come out recently, be sure to go check those out too. We have a pre- and post-packs podcast, as well as a Game of the Year and Game of the Decade cast that you can listen to. With the current situation going on in the world, it seems we all have a little extra time stuck inside to catch up on those sorts of things. So be sure to check them all out while staying safe and social distancing. As always, you can find more content at wearethehorizon.com. Thanks for joining us. Talk to you all in May.